Okay. This is the prayer for illumination. Holy God, whether it's through angels or music, friendships, friendships or sermons, study our nature. When you speak, we long to hear it. In a world as chaotic and broken as ours, we could use your words of hope and healing. With gratitude, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our first reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, a branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances, nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness, and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, and the young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. On that day, the root of the Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation will seek him out, and his dwellings will be glorious. This is the promise of God to our ancestors and to us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thanks, Ethan. Our gospel reading for this uh, second Sunday in Advent comes to us from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, the Annunciation. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen, since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Let's pray. God of impossible love, You needed Mary to give her consent, to bear the scandal, to carry your word within herself. May her courage give hope to women and men 
who yearn to sing new songs of justice and find the world a dwelling place for God. Through Jesus Christ, the one who is to come, we pray. Amen. God meets us in our fear. Uh, It's been said and reported widely that the Bible says the phrase, fear not, 365 times from beginning to end, one for every day of the year. Have any of you heard that said before, reported before? Or not, not too many of you. Well, I'm sorry to say it's, it's not true. Um, <laughs> that's not the case. Um, the Bible does say, fear not, don't be afraid, a whole bunch of times to a variety of people in different circumstances who are overwhelmed by fear and, like us, don't always know what to do with our fear. But for my part, I'm actually really glad the Bible doesn't say, fear not, 365 times because, you know, when you're afraid, uh, being told to not be afraid, not all that helpful. You know, when you're like, overwhelmed, paralyzed by fear, it's not like the only thing that you need is that piece of information that you've just forgotten. And if only someone would be so gracious to come along and to remind you or to stumble upon some Bible verse that just says, hey, don't be afraid and go, oh, that solves everything. <laughs> it's not how fear works. All right, we need more than mere reminders to not be afraid. We need something deeper. We need something more personal than that. I've said many times that the, the five months that I spent as a chaplain at Children's Hospital was every bit as transformative to my life as a minister as the four years I spent in seminary. I, I had this knack uh, as a chaplain of always drawing that lucky card of being on call when the worst things happen. I, I went into the program assuming that we'd have all kinds of training on here's what you should do when you are ministering to people who are in crisis. And I'd get this training and learn about it long before we'd actually have to do it. Well, that was not the case. (laughs) From the very first week of starting, uh, I was thrown into situations that I felt completely unprepared for. My first night on call, which was my first week as a chaplain, was just one tragedy after another from the beginning of my shift to the end. A week later, I had my second night on call, and it started off great. It was just quiet and got to talk with some sick kids and families, and everything was fine. I went to sleep in the little sleeping quarters for the chaplain, and then my pager went off at 3 a.m., and I went down to the emergency department, and there was a flurry of activity. I saw a whole group of nurses that were frantically performing CPR on a young girl. And I asked the social worker, you know, is is there a parent present here? And she pointed me to a woman who was sitting down outside where her daughter was being treated, sitting in a chair, looking at the wall, unable to see what was happening to her daughter. And so I was terrified. I walked over and not knowing what to say or what to do. I mean, what do you say to a stranger that can be of any help in that situation? I don't think saying fear not would would help. 
I remember, though, my, my supervisor, Susan, having told me that everybody in that room, including the chaplain, has a very specific job to do. And our job as chaplains is to simply be with people. That's it. No more, no less. It is not your job to get them a drink of water. It is not your job to try to help out in this way or that way. Your job is to simply be present and not leave no matter how hot it gets. And so I took a deep breath and I walked over to Linda and I got down on one knee so I could see her at eye level and I said, my name is Joel. I'm the chaplain here and I'm here to be with you. And she looked at me with rage on her face and she said, you tell your God to get his hands off my little girl. I want her back in my arms now. And so I gulped and took another deep breath and said back to her, okay, I will. I don't know how you respond when people yell at you. I'm not a big fan of it. My whole body was freezing up and wanting just to get out of there, right? Get out of this space. Give this woman who is clearly upset some space to be away from me. But I remembered what Susan said and I didn't. And so I just stayed present with her. I determined I was not going to leave unless she told me to go away. God meets us in our fear. Mary had good reason to be afraid. Here she was, uh, engaged to be married, minding her own business, when out of nowhere this angel appears and says, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, pretty much everybody in the scriptures who encounters either an angel or has an encounter with God has exactly the same response. You know what that response is? They're all terrified. And so in every situation, you have the angel or God self saying, do not be afraid. It seems that being afraid is the universal human response to being in the divine presence. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. I have some theories, but perhaps it's as simple as we are afraid of that which we do not know. And God is the great unknown. And so startled by this unexpected appearance, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. Well, that's a lot to process. And though the angel says, hey, God's favoring you and honoring you with his promised son, it isn't clear that Mary welcomes this news or that she wants it. And that rings true to me of our experience with God as well. You see, the gospel comes to us and says, hey, God is on your side, God is with you, but it does not feel that way, especially when we're faced with news that we do not want and did not ask for. And Mary did not ask for this news. And when it comes to pregnancy and giving birth, consent is of the utmost importance. And this news, it so clearly involves Mary's bodily autonomy. And it seems that she's simply being told, hey, this is how it's going to be. 
You should be honored, Mary. But news of pregnancy isn't always welcomed, is it? How many women wake up sometime today finding out they're pregnant and the first response is not joy, it's fear. Mary is afraid. And even though she's told what an honor this unplanned pregnancy is, she doesn't say, okay, whatever God wants, fine with me. No, she doesn't immediately consent. She has questions. She asks, how can this be? See, fear often has a way of silencing us. And somehow in the presence of this powerful, apparently male angel, Mary manages to question what she's been told before she agrees to participate. And I am, I am so glad that she does. It may not seem like much, but she doesn't simply submit. She asks her question, and she gets an answer. She's told that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, and then she's assured, you know, whatever it is you're going through, you are not alone in this calling, because your cousin Elizabeth, well, she's on the other side of this unlikely pregnancy path that the two of you are on. And after hearing that, Mary says, okay, okay, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me just as you have said. You see, it's not being told, don't be afraid, that helps us in our fear. What helps us is knowing that we are not alone. See, God meets us in our fear, and the way God normally does that is through the presence of other people who are willing to walk through the dark night with us, refusing to leave us on our own. I did not leave Linda's side that night at the hospital. Awkward and afraid, I stuck it out. And she never told me to leave, but she wasn't quite done yelling at me yet. And that was okay. And those brave nurses spent more than two hours doing CPR on that six-year-old girl. And they put her on ECMO right there in the emergency department, which is a heart and lung bypass machine, one that's normally only done in the OR, but they were afraid she wouldn't survive the trip from the emergency department to the OR, so they did it right there in the emergency department. And I was sure she was going to die. But somehow, some way, she survived the night. And so we kept waiting. And over the next weeks, we all feared that even if she woke up, what kind of life would she have? What damage was done to her brain, to her heart during that ordeal? But eventually, she woke up. And ten weeks later, she left the hospital, able to walk, brain undamaged. And today, she's doing great. That was 10 years ago. She's still doing great. On their last day in the hospital, I had, had seen them many times over that 10 weeks, but I went to say goodbye, and Linda apologized to me for yelling at me that night. She said she was just so mad at God, and she just needed someone to yell at. And I said... 
what was absolutely true, which is I was honored to be the one you could yell at. And to this day, it remains one of the great honors of my life. We were all afraid that night. And God met us in our fear. And the way God did that is through the presence we had with one another. See, when we're afraid, we don't need to be cheered up. We don't need to be told how everything is going to be okay because the truth is, we don't know that it will. Oftentimes, there is nothing to be done but wait. And so God waits with us. And God is not put off by our questions or our anger, but quietly sits with us for as long as is needed. The truth is, God does favor us. And God is with us, even when we don't feel it or see it. And so maybe the words, don't be afraid, maybe they aren't a command. Maybe they're an invitation to trust that in all things we are loved and we never walk alone. I'm going to teach you a song. It's called Don't Be Afraid. Don't be afraid, my love is stronger, my love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid, my love is stronger, and I have promised, promised to be all.